it's Jo Taylor here, host of the All Terrain podcast. I just wanted to drop in with a quick note to let you know that this episode is a part of a series that we recorded live at the Edinburgh Fringe. It means as well as having the guest there in person, there was also an audience listening in to the chat. So you'll hear a little bit of engagement and interaction with them through the conversation. It was an incredible privilege to be at the Fringe this summer to have these conversations with some truly excellent guests. So with that shared with you, um, we'll get to these episodes and I hope you enjoy them just as much as I did. Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast brought to you by the Children and Youth Department of the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and Ireland. I'm Jo Taylor, and in each episode, I invite a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real-life journey to this point. Along the way, they'll make four choices and answer four questions, and in this episode, our guest is Harry Baker. Harry is an award-winning spoken word artist, poet and author. He's a maths graduate, after which he became the youngest ever Poetry World Slam champion in 2012. His poetry can be found in his two published books, The Sunshine Kid and his most recent book, Unashamed. He's performed all over the world with television, radio and TED Talk appearances introducing him to an even wider audience. Harry's words are full of warmth, humour and wisdom, which is why I'm so excited to be hosting him here today. So Harry, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about what everyday life looks like for you? Yes. One of the joys of what I do is that neither two days are the same, but it is over time developed a kind of rhythm. And so I write poems and I perform them and that can be in any number of places. So I go into schools and give performances and workshops because I started writing when I was a teenager and I kind of know the impact that had for me and so I try and enable that in schools and in primary schools it's about having fun with words and in secondary schools it's about teenagers trying to express their emotions and Mm -hmm. there's varying levels of enthusiasm (laughs) depending on the age group but I I love that part of what I do yeah and then I guess the the main bulk of, of what I do is for a few years now, I've come up to the Edinburgh Fringe with a show that I will then tour around in the evenings, whether that is in comedy clubs or theatres or churches or did one on an allotment once, wow. anywhere that will have me. <laughs> uh, but kind of performing my words on a stage to people is where I feel like I come most alive. Yeah. And then in amongst that, there's often kind of unusual commissions that will come through or slightly left field things that yeah. are often quite fun as well because yeah. they push you creatively yeah get you thinking in a different way exactly excellent um so we ask every guest to make four choices and answer four questions as we travel together and we're going to start off with your two choices which will set the scene for our hypothetical hike so the first of those is can you tell us where we're walking yes so having done the fringe last year and then gone on tour uh in kind of may june this year me and my wife grace went into training she got some type of work and she'd never done it as a kind of gap year student yeah. so we went for it uh, and part of that involved going to amalfi in italy and there was a hike there called the path of the gods 
and the weather forecast was quite bad for the time we were there except for one day so we thought on that day we'll go on this amazing hike and it turns out a lot of other people had a similar idea <laughs> so we went down to the bus station to kind of get to the top of this hike uh, and I don't mean to generalise but my experience of Italy is that they don't believe in queues no they don't believe in queues there's no it works but it's not a system <laughs> that they understand so we're just all a huddle of tourists being very confused and then one of the buses just suddenly has the sign for where we need to go people all sort of huddle and <laughs> fighting to get so we're right at the back turns out there's then another bus so we end up on the second bus and we end up chatting to this couple who were also going for this hike uh and then just ended up talking to them for this whole three-hour journey really unexpected uh, and one of the early signs that we were going to get along was when i told them that i was a poet and a mathematician which <laughs> was my university experience but they were excited <laughs> about that because she was an english teacher and he was a mathematician well but then towards the end of this hike, he asked how I got into poetry from maths. And I explained that it was a very specific route involving the Battle of the Bands competition at my school, where I rewrote the lyrics to Jay-Z's 99 Problems and made them all about maths. And as part of this performance, me and my friend Luke learned to recite Pi for about 80 digits and we wrapped it in unison. And in that moment- Niche but brilliant. Was my world to mine. Yeah. Uh, and his response to this was to say, oh, no, I, I can also recite Pi. <laughs> and it turns out he it was and is the North American Pi recital champion. <gasps> so while I was showing off about being able to do 80 digits, he can do 16,000 digits. Oh, pi. my gosh, that's so many they digits. Official in to do the record. It took nine hours. They had to have a pizza break. It was a whole thing. Oh, my word. And we were just on this hike together and then spent like the, the next couple of days. And it was a really lovely moment because, you know, towards the end of the trip, we were kind of then going on our separate ways. Yeah. And Grace sort of said to them, what are the chances that we would meet? the airport that we got on with like this, not specifically the pie thing, but just in general. <laughs> yeah. and, and Mary, uh, she just said, well, neither of us pushed to the front of the bus. So in her mind, it was just fairly normal. Yeah. We were both too timid to fight off other tourists slash not the sorts of people who would do that. So yeah. we were in the nice calm bus and that was enough to form a deep friendship. <laughs> in three days. And, but also it was an amazing, yeah. A journey as well. Yeah. And well, visualize. I would, so normally I don't get a heads up, so I hear the choices live, but this time because I hear who they're going to be, so I can put a picture on the screen to make us feel like we're there. Doesn't that really does that because I don't know when the last, the sun, when did the sun last shine here? Seriously. But it looks incredible and it's absolutely gone on my list of places I want to be. Thing I loved about it is at the end, there was a lemonade store. Mm. And it is, I think anything would have tasted great after three hours of walking in the heat, but it's the best thing that has ever been yeah. on my lips. Sounds great. Sounds excellent. And so we can bring some people on our hike. Yes. We can have the pie man like just walking up ahead. Yeah. He comes with the hike. Okay, he, excellent. He now lives there. That is brilliant. Um, and if the conversation ever like starts to dip, yeah. Just do that. 
That's hours of entertainment. There and there. <laughs> um, so you can choose some other companions um, to come with us. That's your second choice. And you can bring three fellow travellers, one living, one dead, and one fictional. So we'll start with your living companion. The living companion I would like to bring. Initially, I was just thinking, who would I like to hang out with? But I realise most people, it might be awkward because I don't know if we would know each other, but the living person who I would most like to hang out with uh, is Holly McNeish, who is Brilliant. an amazing poet, yeah. who I got to know through kind of performing together. Um, and I feel like it's an interesting thing in my work in that through performances, I feel like I get to connect with loads of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm part of this community, but I don't have work colleagues that I see regularly. When I first started out, I was doing open mics loads, so there'll be people that I would bump into side by side. Um, but Holly is someone who I look up to in a professional sense in terms of, I think she's an amazing performer, but also she tours by herself and, and the way she holds herself on and off stage, but also she's just really fun to be around. And so a couple of months ago, I was invited to do a gig in Helsinki yeah. and Holly McNeish was also on the lineup. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, it was good enough to get to go to Helsinki, but I specifically went so that we could hang out. Yeah. And it amused me that we've not been able to hang out in the UK yet this year, but <laughs> just, just hang out in Helsinki. Um, but Holly's amazing. Yeah, she's a great choice. So I am, um, I think probably like many people, like school killed poetry for me. Like it took all the joy and I love words, but there was something about the way school did poetry that it just meant that it held no interest for me until I discovered Holly McNeish and then went to see her at a gig in Bristol where you were also performing. Oh. And that's where I heard you perform for the first time, um, which opened a whole world that gave me a love for poetry and a different way of loving words. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so as a writer, I'm genuinely delighted. Like, I really wish this was actually happening because it would be the dream <laughs> for me. Um, so next we move on to, um, yeah, someone that is no longer with us. Um. Again, I, I struggled with this, but I thought I'd just sort of go with my gut. And because we've got Holly representing the poetry side of my brain, I wanted someone from Maths World. Mm. Uh, and so I've gone for Catherine Johnson, who uh, is one of the people the film Hidden Figures is based on, uh, which is one of my favorite films. Mm -hmm. And I just think she would have some great stories. Yeah. And from being in NASA, from being alive at that time, yeah. from being a maths legend. Um, and she died relatively recently and she was 101. And people said that's because she wanted to die in her prime. So, <laughs> uh, and I fully believe that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, another really, really great choice. And then our third companion, um, someone fictional. Yeah. I thinking of fictional people and then I thought it didn't say it had to be a person so I've gone for Eric Bernson from Northern Lights who is a massive armoured bear massive 
bear. Um, one, I think <laughs> it would be funny to see him on that particular terrain. <laughs> but also, he's a loyal detective. If anyone sort of came for me, Holly and Catherine, I don't know how he'd <laughs> survive in a fight, but with Eric there, no one's going to be taking our lemonade from us. Yeah. You know? um, and he can't lie, which I think is a nice attribute. Yeah. And I just, I've never hung out with an armoured bear. <laughs> we definitely wouldn't have had to struggle for a space on the bus. Exactly, exactly. We could have ridden here oh, yeah. to the top. Could have just skipped the bus entirely. I was thinking, like, we'd get on the bus more easily, but actually, yeah. we'd just skip the, bus. the bus. We'd skip the bus, yeah. And then if we get tired on the hike, we can all just ride on this back. Yeah. It's going to be such a good time. Such a good time. It's a great choice. It's very different. To anything we've had before um but i like it <laughs> um so having well we've established where we are we've established with who's with us the company is wonderful and diverse and and so now we can start the kind of conversation that we will have as we walk and so the first of our four questions is how do you face change think both well and not well I think on a on a surface level I get really excited about new things mm -hmm. and I get slightly obsessed about them for a while and then it kind of levels out uh, so at the moment I've got a new favorite drink what's that it's good for her is that because it's called Shuffa Huffa? It is 95% of the people. It's like my favourite poem of yours is Falafel Off. It's, it's going to be a sequel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like a German wheat beer, but they've got a kind of grapefruity version. So it basically tastes a bit like lilt. Okay. It's really fun to say. And I. Uh, <laughs> On our trip, we went through Germany and we just had it in supermarkets everywhere. So I got excited. I wrote a rap about it. I sent it to Schiffer on Instagram and said, can I have some free Schiffer <laughs> as props for a music video for this rap? Yeah. And they sent me some. And as of yet, I have not made a video, but... You've got the Schiffer Did you save any of it for the video? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because uh, they also sent quite a lot of, like a pop-up tent uh -huh. and inflatable chair, so... It's currently taking up a lot of space in the house and, uh, and not everyone in the house is happy about it. <laughs> but that is an example of me discovering something new and just go yeah. for the ground. But at the same time, for someone whose whole job is sort of based on having a good imagination, I can sometimes find it hard to see beyond the immediate mm -hmm. present. So if it is currently sunny, I will not take a coat with me on a three-day trip to another country uh, and I or if I'm having a hard time if I'm in a kind of low moment yeah. I just feel like I'm never gonna feel joy again and yeah. so in that sense I think it's useful to remember the change is constant and, and is always going to be there yeah. um, so I think I'm very good at throwing myself into things and taking things in my stride but so much so that I've had to try and remember to be present and enjoy things as they happen as well. Yeah. So for example, I like did this fringe show and tour last year 
and absolutely loved it. And then this year, knew that it was really important for me to have some time away from that and, yeah. and, and live enough of a life that I felt I had things worth talking about. But then when I'm in that process of not really getting very much, yeah. it's easy to then romanticize being back on the road and doing that again, whereas I'm literally in this position because I've chosen to be. And, yeah. and it's been really nice coming up to Edinburgh for a couple of days and seeing other people's shows and not being so sleep deprived that I can't see. Uh, but also, it's taken a kind of measured approach and lots of practice to not be so excited about the next thing or the yeah. next big change that I don't enjoy that. Yeah. And how have you, how do you do that? Like what are those? So I think I get, I get really excited about the next thing. I'm always kind of pushing like, it's the new adventure. But you miss the present then, don't you? Yeah. And, and that, and so that future that you were really excited about just becomes a past that you haven't even noticed happen. So what do you do to kind of make sure you're noticing those, those present moments? One thing that helps me is, and it was, it was based on a time up at the Edinburgh Fringe where my mum and dad had come up for like two days. I was like, I'm going to give them the best two days they could possibly have. Mm. And we'd gone to like five shows back to back that I carefully curated and it was amazing. I'm like, right guys, let's go to another show. And my dad was just like, maybe we should just go and have dinner and hang out. <laughs> and off the back of that, he, uh, we start talking about the Enneagram, which I've never done a test to see what type of and you're not supposed to tell people what type they are, but my dad was like, I think he might be a seven. Right. I'm a seven. So, yeah. based on that, and having never followed up or researched it, I've signed up to the Enneagram thought for the day. <laughs> and most days it is about remembering to be yeah. in the moment and not look too far ahead. And then every now and then it's something like saying, you have quite an addictive person I'm actually remember to not take too many jobs today. I think, okay, that part. <laughs> but a lot of it. But shiver her back. Yeah. Go easy on the show. <laughs> You've got 45 of them in your <laughs> You don't have to drink one at once. Um, but stuff like that, where yeah. it is a, a genuine practice of remembering to be present and yeah. be grounded and find the joy in your surroundings rather than in the distance. Yeah. Yeah, it's really helpful. Have you written anything that would help us understand that? I know you're yes. going to be sharing some of your drink. So I, when we were talking about this, I kind of said, could I do some poems? Because I feel like that's my most intense version of my thought. Yeah. And, and for this question, uh, I've chosen this poem because I think it is about the idea of, of remembering that change can come. And that when you're having a hard time, that doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. And likewise, when you're having a, a good time, it doesn't mean that you're never going to feel sad. Again. And yeah. So this poem is simply called Some Days. Some days there is a lightness when the brilliance of everything around you becomes heightened. 
when there is more to life than indulging your quarter-life crisis and you owe it to yourself to try and put this down in writing, I promise I will never stop trying. Even when it's hard to, I find the prospect far too exciting. We forget the bar we set as the capacity for rising where it is left. It's just the version we have given up revising. So this is HB 2.0.1 and a half, current draft. The water's running warm, so past the bubble bath. When the going gets tough, it's tough to get going. A dialogue, the stuff is hard, but if we come together, there's a chance it might not come apart. Whether or not it's growing on the other half, the grass is always greener when you love the grass. Remind myself when faced with tougher days that there are some that aren't. It might not feel like much, but then again, it rarely does when it is just the start. I've never met a second step as terrifying as the first one. I've never met another person there was not a chance to learn from. The more that we spend time with the uncertain, the more we can apply when we revise our current version. There is a point when unknown becomes home and throws you unaware. When you've been near the table long enough to now pull up a chair. When the place you knew as new asks you if you have cupped your hair, you feel the corners of your mouth and soul and notice something's there. Some days there is a light there. When it becomes all but impossible to stop the world from coming. There are still shadows in between as I wish some days into most days. But on those days, we'll read myself this book. Um, it's really interesting that you chose to read that poem to that first question because I think for me it moves us on really nicely to the second question. So this um, this podcast came out of a program that our department runs. So we run a year-long um, program for 18 to 25-year-olds where a lot of people in that age might do like a gap year, like a year out. We do a year in. So they stay where they are, carry on doing what they're doing in their everyday life. And through the year, we explore these four questions in four terms um, with weekends, each on a different terrain um, and Zooms and things like that. And that poem, is one of the ones that we've used for the next question, um, which is how do you move through suffering and that understanding of like, all of life is all the things and they're all present all the time. And so that kind of change to suffering journey, I think um, is captured really nicely through that poem. So in more of your words, <laughs> Um, how do you, Harry, move through suffering? I think, well, I guess another way to link to your question is a change that I didn't deal with well was COVID and lockdown. And initially, when it happened, my response was to think, how can I from home be of some kind of use? Mm -hmm. And so I was putting poems out online, I was trying to connect with people, I was sort of sending out books for free if people needed them. And then over time, I found myself just trying to double down on my optimism and mm -hmm. saw myself as a really upbeat person. And so over time would just 
tell myself and other people that at some point it's going to be okay. We just need to get through this. And then we had to acknowledge that actually it wasn't okay and wasn't about to be okay. It went on for years. And yet my world shrunk in a massive way and I shrunk with it. And so it was only through acknowledging that hardship and that pain rather than just trying to belligerently overpower it with happiness uh, that I started going to therapy and started being able to communicate that side of things better yeah. and as a result of that was able to start to piece myself back together and I think off the back of that I, I've realised that for me the way to move through suffering is to remember you're not alone in that mm. and also to remember that everyone's going through different stuff and it's not necessarily the same thing but you're part of the same human experience and just because someone's not going through the same thing as you doesn't mean they can't relate or it doesn't mean that they don't care and so to try and be more open about when you are having a tough time as mm. well as about when things are great and this kind of was embodied last new year i went away with uh me and grace and then three other couples and all three of them had young kids uh and growing up as a family we'd always done this thing around new year where we had a reflection on the year and it was looking at the bitter things and the sweet things and your hopes and dreams for the next year and we got to eat harry bone and suck on lemon slice and it was the ritual of it made it really um, powerful yeah. and thought-provoking. And by the end of it, me and my mum would always be in tears and my brother and my dad would always sort of... <laughs> but I suggested this with this group of friends uh, and it was interesting, one of them wasn't from a Christian background, so I wanted to check that they would be comfortable with it and they said mm. they'd done a similar thing. Yeah. Um, but because it was a slightly newer group of friends, I wanted to make sure everyone was comfortable kind of going to that space. And what happened was, it turns out everyone had had a really hard year. Yeah. And we were all in absolute bits. And my first thought was, I've definitely ruined the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but then through that came this incredible sense of, of togetherness and solidarity. And since then, we've been checking in with each other. Yeah. And it, immediately made me feel a lot closer to those yeah. people and it meant that then sharing with the joy because you shared in the suffering yeah. is so much more meaningful yeah. and we ended the night dancing to Beyonce <laughs> however you wish it yeah. but it made me realise that everyone was was willing to go there because a space was created where that was possible yeah. and not everyone would have chosen to go there by himself. And I think you, you can't force people to talk about stuff if they don't want to. And I think for me, I think it's important and I think it's part of the, the richness of life. Yeah. And I love crying as well as laughing. My favorite thing in the world is, is laughing through tears. I think that's such a, an amazing thing. And I love art that makes me do that, but also friends that mm you can have a good cry with and you'll almost always have some kind of yeah. catharsis from that. Um, 
and so yeah i've learned that that sharing your pain with people isn't burdening them yeah. it's that in itself is a gift and a, and a generous thing to do to, to be able to trust and, yeah. and through setting that tone people can then sort of meet you back yeah uh, and so I've, I've got a poem for this as yeah, well great uh, and this poem is a bit longer and a bit newer uh, okay. and a bit raw but hopefully it runs like it I have this friend who is trying to have a although trying might not quite be the right word. To begin with, it just meant more sex and counting, two of their favorite things. Or as their partner put it, they were no longer trying not to have a baby. Which becomes not wanting to plan anything more than nine months in advance, just in case. Becomes making the most of this Christmas or summer as a two, because soon everything's going to change. Becomes two parallel realities coexisting the moment a period's late becomes focusing on doing the things they can no longer do when they do have a baby, becomes if they do have a baby, becomes there's always next month, becomes I guess we'll just have to keep having sex, becomes feeling guilty about the one month they were relieved it hadn't happened, they were just really looking forward to their friend's wedding in September, becomes you wouldn't want them to be born around Christmas anyway, they just end up getting loads of joint presents, who wants to have to compete with Jesus for attention. And it is trying, and they are trying, but trying suggests they could be trying harder, suggests they are not trying hard enough, suggests they are trying and failing. And some say it is insane to keep trying the same thing and expect different results, but they honestly don't know what else to do. At some point, trying becomes aching, becomes longing, becomes praying, and in some ways it is the ultimate act of faith. Maybe hope is the best word. It often is. Because hope still comes with doubt. I'm just hoping that their hope doesn't run out. You see, my friend is hoping to have a baby. Although have, perhaps, isn't quite the right word. In German, one of my favorite verbs is machen. It means to carry out, to make, or to do. Because it sounds like make, my German flatmate interchanged the two, leading to glorious terms of phrase such as, will we make a party tonight? which is the only acceptable answer is yeah. In English, you take a photo. In German, you make a photo. In English, you go on holiday. In German, you make a holiday. In English, you have indecision. In German, you don't. <laughs> In English, when you finish work, you clock off or sign out. In German, you Feierabend machen. Literal translation, make party evening. As in you decide when you are ready to transition from work to play. In English, you have fun. In German, you make fun. It feels less concerned with ownership and more with creativity, as I think we all should be. What I'm saying is my friend isn't hoping to take or have a baby, but I think they'd really like to make or make a baby. I have this friend who is hoping to make a baby. Although friend, it tends to not be the right word. More like friend. There's the friend that told me four years ago that they thought that now might be their time. And then they hadn't mentioned it since, so I figured that maybe they'd just changed their mind. The friend whose partner isn't against it but wants to wait before thinking of kids, and yet her body is different to his, so she is not sure she can live with that risk. The friend who takes folic acid tablets every day to help prep for her bones to be strong. 
when you've been trying to be strong for two years, you can only hold these things lightly for so long. The friend who would be such a brilliant mom, according to everybody that they know, they just thought that they would have a partner by now and they don't want to do this alone. The friends who both wanted kids for a while and both committed to try IVF, but had to spend 25,000 pounds privately before they could apply to the NHS because they are both women. And that's the only way to prove that they are trying. But they are trying. They are all trying and aching and longing and praying. I have these friends who are hoping to make a baby. Although baby maybe isn't the right word. Because of course babies are cute. In the way that kittens are cute. In the way that miniature bottles of shampoo are cute. But most of my friends that do have babies are exhausted. And having friends that do have babies is ideal because you get to have a cuddle and then give them back. Without the paralyzing fear of them discovering new ways to die. Or the fact that the only way they know how to communicate is to cry. They've learned to scream at a specific pitch that cuts through to your soul. And what you have learned is a growing list of things that you cannot control. And I get that it might come with waves of unconditional love, but it just seems thrilling. And anyway, surely the best bit is the next bit. Because you are not just making a baby, but a child. They have not only learned to walk and talk, but to run down the street chanting your name. And if you do anything they think is funny, they will ask you to do it again and again forever. And in any given situation, they would rather play than chat. And I'll be honest, I am 31 and I still feel like that. When they're at that age, they do not have fun. They make fun. But I assume you model through the teenage years. And so one day when they are not just a child anymore, they will say that they want to be a doctor so they can help people. And you will say that that sounds like a good idea. And a few years later, they will say that they have changed their mind and they want to switch from medicine to maths. They have more time to write poems. <laughs> and we say, yeah, that actually sounds a lot better and way more useful to society as a whole. And where you can possibly know how it turns out, you will still be there when they cry and it will still cut through to your soul. You will have added to your list a thousand times over the things that you cannot control. There will come a time where they no longer go wherever you go, but you will know as long as you can watch them grow, you will still grow. And when they value creativity over ownership, and maybe run a marathon every now and then, you will know some of that is down to you. You will make sure they know you are so proud of them because you're not just making a baby or a child, but a life. I have these friends who are hoping to make a life and so am I, which at this point maybe won't come as a surprise. I guess a giveaway was mentioning sex and counting in the same sentence, and yet out of all the friends that I mentioned, almost all talked about it in passing, and only one of those friends is a guy. And I have messaged about it since asking, or for whatever reason he doesn't reply, but I am trying. I am trying to talk about it. I am trying to hold it lightly. I am trying to not get my hopes up, but I quite like getting my hopes up when I hear somebody say they are expecting a baby. I realize that is exactly what I have been doing for years. When anyone asks if I have kids, I say I have three incredible nieces. Or that having friends with babies is ideal because you get to have a cuddle and then give them back. But I would love to be the one you give them back to. And when friends do announce they are pregnant, I am genuinely thrilled for them except for the one couple who joked that it was an accident and they weren't really trying when so many of us are trying and I secretly hope their baby is born with weirdly big hands or something. <laughs> but then I meet them and they are perfect. 
and I guess that's okay too. And I'm so grateful to the friends who knew what we were going through. And so we're sensitive to us in sharing their incredible news. Especially the friend who four years ago said they thought now was their time because now is their time. Even if it means that when I message, he takes a while to reply. But the best is the friend with the one-year-old who she obviously loves to bit. And yet she says she spends so much time wondering what her life would be like without kids. How it must be nice. And it is. Grace says the hardest part is the not knowing. Being stuck in the in-between of now and might never come to be. And the truth is right here, right now. I know that my life doesn't feel incomplete. And whichever reality we end up in, I know I'm so grateful that grace is with me. And I still think I'd be a good dad. But I guess there's no way to know. At least I've made a head start on my list of things that I can't control. And while I cannot possibly know how it turns out, I have these friends and I have hope. And I am already making a life, or at least I So that, that feels more raw because it's mm. newer and because it's an ongoing thing. But even through the process of writing that, I messaged some of the friends that are in the uh, and have had conversations that I never otherwise would have had. Yeah. And so I think it, it feels new to me Yeah. Uh, to even write something like that because a lot of my poems are sort of three or four minutes and rhyme a lot and wrap up really neatly but actually to be in a space where I, I needed to yeah to have that and actually I had a lot of conversation with Grace about if she was comfortable with me kind of sharing this personal thing but I think through the process of talking about how hard lockdown was and going to therapy in my last show actually I was able to connect with people in a similar position mm. and so whether or not it's about this specific thing I think I think that everyone should be able to choose what they do or don't want to share but I think if you feel comfortable sharing hardships as well as joy then I think that that can be such a powerful yeah. yeah, I really agree. And I think it helps shift the conversation a away from into the feelings that we're less comfortable talking about. And one of the things that we do on our, the weekend that is specifically around suffering. Yeah, so we invite young adults to talk about suffering as well. <laughs> the whole weekend, it's a ball. Um, but one of the people that we have that comes and brings expertise to the journey, the first thing we do is like name our feelings and explain that there's no such thing as a bad feeling. <laughs> Anger isn't bad, sadness isn't bad because the bad things are the things that we do wanna kind of keep out of the way and protect other and protect other people from, don't we? But, and so if your feeling is bad, then you have to protect the people around you from it. But if you recognize them all as just feelings that have no value in and of themselves in terms of good or bad, then you can share them because 
no one needs to be protected from them and not us either and say as a fellow seven where it's primarily about the avoidance of pain isn't it and so so if feeling bad isn't bad then you don't need to avoid it anymore i think out of every film i've ever watched the character of most related to is in inside out yeah. There's all those things in the head where Joy just wants to hide sadness yes. and doesn't want them to ruin them. Yeah. And it is through laying sadness in that you have that full, rich experience. Yeah. And, and I love it. Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean that it's easy. Yeah. Hi, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing something that is kind of raw and current and hopefully gives all of us permission to do the same. I'm really grateful to you for that. And we can take a bit of a breather now with another choice. Um, so that's good. <laughs> um, so some people when they're walking like to listen to things we might want to listen to things other than 16,000 digits of pi. Um, <laughs> but um, so what are we listening to? What we, what's our soundtrack for the walk? We're listening to uh, Self-Esteem, who is someone I discovered last year. So the last album was called Prioritize Pleasure. And they did a gig in Margate and for it's a festival called powerful men festival and i think she's got some kind of connection to margate so she was coming back into a gig there and it was just one of the best live performances i've ever seen but what i love about self-esteem is her lyrics are just amazing and then on the drum skin of the band it says make lyrics on again. and what i love is that she makes absolute pop bangers but with far more thoughtful and interesting lyrics than you might expect from that. And so I love her music and through that I've kind of then followed her and just quite enjoy how she carries herself in the yeah. everyday life as well. Yeah. So I think on a on a walk like that, it's upbeat music, but it's also thought provoking and that's just gonna help the the general vibes with Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very happy with that choice I think she's incredible um, and yeah you see it like she's so thoroughly herself across everything like you said so her music is an expression of who she is one of my favourite TV programmes Taskmaster yes. and she did the New Year's special and was thoroughly herself in that yeah. space as well of kind of light and fun but also calling some stuff out, and I and it, and it, there were a couple of uncom not they weren't uncomfortable because they're good people that she was with, but she will say what needs to be said and be authentic. Such an obvious word, but authentically herself, regardless of the situation, and I love that. One of her songs starts with a lyric. I just want to let you know there's a point in you, yeah. and man. I um I know there's too much of a side note, but I 
was asked to write something for the radio for a daily service. Uh, and the format is you kind of choose a couple of songs and there's a reading and, and a prayer. And you give a, a man's sermon. Um, and I didn't realise that the songs you were meant to choose were meant to be kind of hymns. Yeah. So I got really excited and thought I'm going to pick some of my favourite songs. Uh, <laughs> including uh, self things up. Uh, and then the producer was really brilliant and sort of included it. But it, it made me realise that my experience of church growing up was whenever the, the worship music started, I would sort of zone out because mm -hmm. it wasn't the music I loved and I wasn't very good at singing. And so that wasn't the way that I worshipped. But when I went to live gigs or music or festivals, that for me was a, was a worshipful experience. Yeah. And having that communal. And so it led to me starting a, just a kind of online church equivalent with some friends, partly because I thought they were a really good name for it. What was the name? Bayers and Max. so good. <laughs> Just like the ship ever said, the name is 95%. Yeah, and yeah. Some yeah. Dirt. <laughs> but that's been lovely because over the last six months we've done it and someone's taken it in turns and it's partly a way of someone talking about a musician or something yeah. they love. Oh, yeah. I think finding the the holy in the secular yeah. and giving the same weight and importance to these lyrics yeah. that may be played on the radio or around us on every day that we would to songs that we only ever hear in a church yeah. or when we are in a intentional worship space. I think self-esteem is one of those artists, so is Stormzy, who yeah. talks about his faith, but also yeah. makes Bambi James. And that kind of, that crossover for me feels like a really exciting. Yeah, uh, I I completely agree. And I think one of the things that I believe firmly is that, and like we say it all that like, I think all people kind of you have know, some kind of connection with Christianity, and would call that their their kind of worldview and understanding would say that they believe that God created everything, and that we're made in the image of God. We don't, we're not very good at looking for it anywhere other than in the chat. And so I absolutely believe that God is present and is, and also the creativity that God used to build this world. God didn't stop doing it back then. That creativity still exists. Um, yeah, and it's not making planets now but it's giving genius to someone like self-esteem. And the way that she is on Taskmaster, or, or that, that idea of, of speaking truth to power, mm. for me, is, is the equivalent of, of a modern-day prophet. Yeah. And that could be a comedian or a poet or a musician. I think those voices in society yeah. that do make things uncomfortable mm. because they, they can't not. Yeah, five or six. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. It's a great choice. Um, and I love a tangent. I'm an Enneagram 7 who has ADHD. Oh, my life is primarily tangents. Um, so our third question. How do you receive joy? Uh, enthusiastically. <laughs> with it on. 
uh, and often through tears. <laughs> Joy is one of my favourite words, and I think um, part of my kind of coming out of lockdown journey was it was the fact that I've I've always loved what I do, and I've always felt really grateful to be able to share my words on stage and have people respond and I've realised that even when I'm having a rough time in my personal life that will be something that I love and that gives me joy uh, but what felt really moving for me last year was realising outside of that that I felt like myself again yeah. and it was um, I get a lot of joy from activities and from shared experiences and so swimming in the sea or with a friend uh, jumping off uh, to live in Margate and there's the harbour arm and when it's high tide you can jump off the edge and it's slightly terrifying but also completely exhilarating and things like that so I loved uh, I think fun is underrated yes. uh, well I, I think whimsy is, is underrated and it, and sometimes it can feel when things are really heavy it's frivolous to to be silly but i think being silly can can save your life yeah. and so those little things that that shake you yeah. or that you don't expect those are the kind of things that bring me joy i went to a wedding last summer and this is when i was just feeling like myself again and it was someone who grace had made friends with when she was on her year abroad in Hong Kong. Uh, so the bride, Cecile, was French, and she was marrying a guy called Aron, who was German. And so it meant that half of the wedding guests were German. And when you RSVP'd, they asked you to suggest a song for the DJ to play. And what it meant was that in amongst a lot of these quite classic wedding songs, there were a lot of very specific German songs amazing. that I hadn't heard since I'd lived yeah. there like 10 years ago and it was in a marquee like outside for whatever reason the floor made a really good sound when you like stomped on it <laughs> and I was so caught up in the joy of this dance that whenever a song came on that I liked I would just run around the room whispering <laughs> in people's ears this one's a stomper <laughs> <laughs> but it was the purest inclination of joy that yeah. I felt for a long time and the next day my calves did not yeah those moments and, and for me partly doing this this bittersweet reflection at the end of the year I realised that most of my uh, favourite moments of the year were hanging out one on one with friends yeah. and doing something yeah yeah uh, and I love friends that you can have long conversations with and not need to do anything. But yeah. actually, I love having fun and I love sharing that with yeah. people. And I think because I'm a performer and I'm very comfortable being up on stage in front of people, some people assume that I must be very extroverted. But actually, I struggle in groups of people if I don't know them. Mm -hmm. Whereas one on one with someone I'm comfortable with, I feel like I can then come out of my shadow and yeah. kind of be at my most effervescent yeah so yeah any kind of shared activity with the yeah. I think that's great and I think because I think that kind of joy of relationship and connection and you talk about the kind of frivol frivolousness 
of, of kind of whimsy and fun. I, and I, I, I think it, building that into your life should be honored as a discipline, not just because the frivolous and whimsy is fun, but when I look back at those moments that I've intentionally created, it's not, they don't stay frivolous and whimsical for long. They end up being moments of like deep connection and shared joy. Um, but when you write it off as something that can exist on the periphery of your life, or it might just happen rather than pursuing it and building it in, you miss the opportunity for just so much deep transformational joy. Yeah, 100%. And the, the poem I'd like to share for this section was the first poem that I was able to write in 18 months, and it was after having had this time of lockdown where I thought, I can't perform, so I'm going to write loads, and mm. didn't have capacity to write, and there was being myself like that, and all of my creative energy was going towards coping with the day-to-day -day mm. of a world that was falling apart. And, uh, and after 18 months, I thought the thing that I would be able to write about would be something pretty hefty. And the thing that sort of broke through for me was wellies. Wellies. And so the, I love wellies. That is a statement of footwear designed for making a splash. No need for showing off status or cash, no laces or faff, just I like big boots and I cannot lie, these babies got back. On first glance, as basic as paying your tax, that's still more outrageous than Bezos can hack. They are sensible, functional, playful, and fab. Put them up against tennis shoes, it's game set and match. They just do what they do. They're not concerned with self-importance. All sold and no tongue. The opposite of Piers Morgan. <laughs> They're built for the outdoors. The opposite of Piers Morgan. <laughs> They're not about to fall apart at any given moment. From farmers through to festivals, so grand is their appeal. The only footwear guaranteed to be outstanding in this field. Well, veteran shoemakers may disagree. I think it's worth a mention. That's just a load of old cobblers. So pay him no attention. <laughs> you could be winging it or wanging it. The welly is the one. If you've got booties on your footies, chances are you're having fun because any welly-based activity is celebrating life. You don't wear wellies to a funeral. So I'm not asking you to for mine. They're a statement piece. That statement is, I don't want soggy feet. And beyond that, it can be anything that you want them to be. So to my godson, who's got some or covered in dinosaurs, or my niece who underneath her knees has nothing but unicorns. As you grow older and the world begins to open up to you, you might expect that it's reflected in your choice of welly boot. Well, for the ladies who are maybe looking for a fun design, I have seen bumblebees or daisies or some multicolored stripes. And for the fellas, if you want to make your mark upon the scene, the options are a fetching black or an incredibly dark green. <laughs> because what could be more masculine than blending in with that? <laughs> like if you don't see me, you might not see I'm filled with pain and hurt. And if you don't conform to gender norms or simply try to ignore them, if you're anything above size six, you're destined to be boring. Because if they're just going to get muddy, 
What's the point of even trying? Why have dreams and just like us, they're only gonna end up dying if you never dip your toe in and there's no concern with drying through these waterproofs if you can simply stop yourself from crying. If we protect ourselves from all those risky things emotions do, it can be easy to forget that joy is an emotion too. And so is heartbreak, so is grief, so is happiness and rage with this whole spectrum that we miss out on if we don't engage and I am angry. And I've tried so very hard to hold it in. And I am lonely. And I've tried so very hard to hold it in and I am tired. And I've tried so very hard to hold it in but we are not wellies. Maybe than a permeable skin you see it did not do me good. Stood in a field of deepest grief. When it's a basic human need to simply feel like you've been seen and so even if this world insists it's safer to be Allah, I would rather take the risk and live life playfully in color sure enough. Last Christmas morning, wrapped up underneath the tree, a pair of size 10 welly boots as bright and yellow as can be. <laughs> they bring a whole new meaning to saving up for a rainy day because if the skies are gray, we're walking on sunshine either way. And when it's messy and it's muddy and I don't know where to begin, I'd still rather be out in the rain than trying to rain it in it. If I ever go on Dragon's Death, this poem is my pitch. But until then, next time you'll see me as I'm climbing out. We're going to move on to our final choice. And this is the one that is far more fun in person than it is over Zoom. Lots of walking, lots of talking, getting hungry. What's in the snack bag? Me. And Grace spent two months interrailing around Europe, having some of the most incredible food that I've ever felt. And the thing that I missed most in the UK was nice and spicy meatballs. <laughs> I don't know what is in them. No. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> but they are incredible. Shall we have some? And you can try and figure out what's in them. Since I got back, I've upped my consumption by quite a long way. And I know you mentioned there's a bespoke audience here tonight, but I've actually orchestrated that so there's more crisps for me. <laughs> well, now we've had our crisps to give us our second wind and to get us through to the end, we move on to our final question, which is how do you mature in service? Um, I feel free to this out, but this was the question that I emailed you back and said, what does it mean? Um, and I think for me, it's, it's partly a combination of the previous things. I think it is about how you respond to change and, and how you balance that, that joy and suffering and, and learn from that and, and go through. And so my um, the, the last poem I'd like to do is called Unashamed and that's also the poem that I named my new book after and named the, the show that I was doing after because it kind of became this self-fulfilling outlook on life almost and I realised that I feel so incredibly lucky to, to be able to do what I love for a living 
Um, but by its very nature, a lot of people don't quite understand what it is that I do. And there's lots of different facets to it. And so for a long time, I saw it as, to use my maths qualification, I saw it as a big Venn diagram and where actually one circle is maths and one circle is poetry and maybe one circle is German and one circle is faith. And actually that tiny bit in the middle where all of those intersect, mm. that is that's kind of the core of me. I'm that kind of little speck yeah. where they want to get is. Uh, and what I think now is actually, I am all of all of those circles. Mm. It doesn't have to be everything that you love combined in one thing, but by our very nature of embracing the things that excite us or set our souls on fire, that mm. expands who we are. And so for a long time as uh, a teenager, I, I thought a lot about what it means to fit in uh, and these days the way I look at it is about what how do we fill out and how do we become the best most brilliant bold versions of ourselves and I think for me part of my journey to that was through that being vulnerable with others mm. and through that sharing the parts of yourself that you don't want to share yeah as much as the parts that you're excited about yeah. sharing. And, and in that, you're able to grow even in those those harder moments. So, so I think I feel so lucky to have people in my life who would uplift you rather than put you down. Mm -hmm. And I think I have had a tendency when I've had friends who have been saying positive things, if there's one person, whether it is a, a school bully or whoever, they, find something negative to say that that would be the thing that I would cling to mm. so learning to trust the people that love you and that they love you for a reason and also that you don't need a reason to be loved and, and to, to take that on and so uh, and, and that's why I love self-esteem yeah. I think she embodies that and I think it's it's about embracing all of the parts of ourselves mm. and and truly believing that we are some of those parts and that the whole is greater than than those individually but also that like it's it's the really weird niche stuff that makes life fun yeah. you know, embracing those things and, and that they're as much a part of who you are as the day-to-day -day person that you think you have to be there was a friend during lockdown he is a musician and he had a similar experience to me. His geese had disappeared overnight. This massive part of who he thought made him who he is had gone. And, mm -hmm. and he said he had to edit himself based on who was around going absolutely none of that feeling. So much admiration for people who seemingly are just fully 100% themselves all of the time. And I know that that's probably not the case for them either. But I think trying to embrace all of who we are and trying to remember that any of your friends if they're going through a hard time or being negative about themselves obviously you're going to tell them that you love them trying to treat yourself with the same love and respect that you would treat of them who yeah. you love or trying to see yourself through the eyes of the people that love you has been massively helped yeah. and I think especially because it's been that in those low moments as well as it it's really 
easy to feel limited um, in like that kind of working out of your purpose according to your circumstances. But I think like what you said there about, you know, you're not just where all those things intersect and you have to be doing those things. You're like all of those things all of the time and like wherever you are. So, you know, you love maths and you get to use that in a whole bunch of random and wonderful ways without being a mathematician. But that doesn't mean like that maths isn't a significant part of who you are and doesn't change your experience of the world and the experience of others. And it creates depth of relationship, like the guy that you met on your walk, and it creates a connection. And we are who we are regardless of like, the job we have or the place that we live at that time. We're not limited in living out our full selves by our circumstances. And I think when I am on stage in front of people sharing my poem, there's no question in my mind that I'm in the right place mm. and I'm doing what I feel like I'm up on this planet to do. Yeah. And I'm firing all things that from that is me and my very best. But what I'm trying to remind myself and and tell myself is that I'm also at my best when I'm inviting five friends around for dinner mm. and spend all day making that meal and we have a great conversation. Mm. And that is as good a use of my time. Yeah. So this this summer I've not done many gigs at all and I've found that really difficult because yeah. I know that I love it. And when I'm doing these gigs, I also know that it affects other people and I get yeah. feedback to know that yeah. making a difference in the world. Certainly yeah. we don't get that through the yeah. world. So, so again, that's one of the things during lockdown when that disappeared, it felt really jarring, but actually celebrating those those smaller everyday and seeing those as much a part of who you are and mm -hmm. the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. So unashamed. So yeah, this is this is that part and I wrote it for that friend who yeah. who was having a rough time. And then very quickly realised I was writing. It's not your job to make sure others feel more comfortable. You need not dull your glow and the hope they might see. You need not water down your core to be more palatable. May you be the you that you need you to be, unashamed. We cannot help how others see us, though we may well try our hardest. How we see ourselves can free ourselves to be ourselves regardless. Home is where you can be open-hearted. Whether trapped or trapeze artist, all comes down to how we're harnessed. I'm trying to free my brain. Like playing past the parcel packed with past, that's when the music stops and no one's watching. Will you keep on dancing? Let us decorate and garnish any reputations tarnished, because despite it all, I still fancy it. Let us not file away our edges in an effort to be smooth. When the records show the dents of how we get into that groove, all that energy invested in the editing of you will help one day or let it loosen. Let me be there when you do. Because in the moment when your guard slipped for a second or two, I could have sworn I caught a glimpse and I saw heaven. Unashamed. 
unless you're Senator or Ghana, there's no point adopting layers from the heart of you to the part of you that's blazing. And others may have tried to hide your light. You may have joined in this yourself. But joy of joys, the joy of joys, it shall not be overwhelmed. You could be static, or your static cause lightning storms. Whether it's lions or it's iron, or your core contains all types of raw, that friction that you feel, there's an igniting force that light the torch, and we can't see it in ourselves, then what is brightness for? We do those closest to us a disservice if we only ever let them see the small of us. If we can open up enough to let them get beneath the surface, there's so much more to love if we can show them all of us. The flaws in us. The force of us. The full-on awe of us. The rise and fall of us. The wise and fall in us. Yes, all of us. The fine and coarse of us. The fine print in the claws of us. The fire imprinted in our blood source as they course in us. It's all in us. The times others have thought of us. The times they fought for us. Because if anyone's worth fighting for, of course, it's us. It's always us. So call it what you want. There's something calling us. And I have caught enough of you to know that you are enough. Any boxes they may try and stop you with. Instead of building up a fort, let's make a rocket ship. Treat them as photos, not negatives developed into positives. But nothing one is with that shot of things. Because all the best bits of your story are still yet to be unfolded. You are the caterpillar. That becomes the butterfly that flaps its wings to cause an earthquake half around the world, you're a mate. And if they try to rain on your parade, let it remind you how much fun it is to party while it's raining. May you take up space and stay there. Anisha. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up our conversation. Um, and it's been just as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and I think like, it's interesting that we've talked about self-esteem a lot and, and how she kind of is herself in whatever she's doing. And um, I said at the beginning about your kind of warmth and your humour and your wisdom and that I've seen in your writing. And I feel like you've brought all of that to the conversation as well, um, which I hoped you would and you did, because I think that's who you are. And I'm really grateful for your openness and your vulnerability and, yeah, the life that you've shared with us this evening. So thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And we'd love for you to join in with this and all of our all-terrain conversations. You can do that on Facebook by heading over there, searching for the all-terrain conversations and joining the group. It's a space to share the things that resonated or challenged, the questions it raised, anything that helps us expand on the wisdom in each episode. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying these chats, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. This will mean that every episode drops straight into your phone, making sure that you don't miss out. We'd also love it if you could share the podcast across your social media channels and if you're listening on Apple, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. All of those things help the show get heard by even more people. We also have a set of sketch notes that accompany each episode and they can be found in all their brilliance by searching for the All Terrain podcast or clicking the link in the episode description. I'll be back soon with another guest who will be facing the four choices, answering the four questions 
and sharing their wisdom learnt along the way on the All Terrain podcast. So until then, goodbye and thanks for listening.